0: Hi, this is Nick Forster. Welcome to this week's episode of E-Town. We have done it. We have made it. We have achieved liftoff post-inauguration. That doesn't change the fact that music can still lift us up and inspiring stories can still remind us that we have a lot to share and a lot that we can do on behalf of others. That's what E-Town's always about, and it starts right now.
1: hall in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. It's E-Town with this week's guests. From East Nashville, Aaron Lee Tajjan. Achievement Award winner, Peter Mui. And from Portland, Oregon, Laura Veers. I'm Helen Forster. Join me now in welcoming our host, Nick Forster.
0: Thank you, Helen. Thanks, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to E-Town, to our, uh, A little solar-powered musical spaceship here, kind of cozy. Thanks for coming. I just realized that we have what I think could be a theme that connects all the pieces and parts of this week's show, an accidental theme. Our award winner is uh, an MIT-trained engineer who decided that recycling was not enough, that reusing had to be uh, a part of the solution because too many things are thrown in the dump when, in fact, they just need a little repair, a little attention, a little love. Our songwriters this week are doing the same kind of exploring, writing about what to keep, a lot about what to repair these days what to let go, because these are confusing times. But lots of that passion, lots of feelings. There's a fair amount of fear and loathing out there and and, uh, divisiveness. So we really need artists more than ever, artists who work in that realm all the time, um, thinking about what's important, what's worth keeping, what's worth letting go. We'll see. Maybe this is just too convoluted. But I think this is something that may, in fact, be a thread. Our first guest is a hardworking singer-songwriter. She's a mother, as I mentioned, kind of an explorer, who reports back she's released her 10th studio record this year, produced by her husband, Tucker Martin. It's appropriately titled, The Lookout. She is a Colorado native. She's a trained geologist, an author, and traveler who's lived in Portland, Oregon for a long time. She hosts a podcast series interviewing mothers who are also touring musicians. And she's collaborating with um, all the coolest people, which means she must be one too. So please welcome to E-Town, Laura Viers.
2: i
3: Thank you.
0: Laura Viers. welcome to E-Town. Thanks for being here. I don't know if I saw you before then, but I certainly remember seeing you with the Case Lang Veers uh, show when that came through Denver with uh, Nico Case and, and Katie Lang. Mm-hmm. And that project, I think, weren't you the principal songwriter for that, that I record? Was,
3: I ended up being that, yeah. I was the, the smallest um, draw for the live show. But, uh, maybe the more of the muscle behind the song, oh
0: the little power that could behind the scenes, yeah that was a great combo,
3: Thanks, yeah. yeah, I felt happy to be a part of it,
0: yeah, well, that was nice to see you and back you know, being back in your home state, I'd forgotten that you're from Colorado, from where from where did you grow up Springs. Colorado Springs?
3: Yeah, my dad taught at Colorado College, and my mom was a school teacher.
0: yeah, so you grew up being a practically minded young woman, I suspect.
3: well, and a lot of nature trips yeah. as most people here take. It's yeah. a beautiful place to go exploring. And a lot of my songs have been influenced by that, by the trips that we took, because they were both teachers. So we would take lots of um, summer vacation trips into the high into the mountains, climbing the 14ers, eating the wild strawberries, tickling the trout, watching the aspen leaves, and all of that stuff, like building snow caves, snow camping. They were really vigorous outdoors people. yeah. And that really influenced my writing.
0: Interestingly, the title of your new record, The Lookout, it's not different in some ways from what you just described with your your parents taking you up into the mountains and sort of keeping an eye on things and and protecting you guys. There mm-hmm. is that theme running through that song, at least. I imagine that was written maybe with your husband in mind.
3: Mm-hmm. Or, yeah.
0: And um, your mom, as we talked about it, so you've got some kids who are still pretty young. Um, you've done a couple of projects that were kid-focused, or at least one anyway. You did a record, was it with... Jim James and Bela Fleck and some other people mm-hmm. you made a, like a kid's record? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, we, my husband and I had just had our second, our first kid and we were like, oh my God, this is so exhausting. I didn't want to write songs, so we culled through a lot of old American and British uh, Isles folk songs and, and made an album of covers and that was fun just to connect with some of the songs that my parents sang to me like The Fox and um, Jamaica Farewell growing up and other ones like Little Lat- Dog Lullaby that I discovered by researching this woman named Ruth Crawford Seeger, who was the wife of Charles Seeger, who was an she was a really cool avant-garde composer in the 50s and also a music collector and archivist and she made a really cool album called Animal Folk Songs for Children that Peggy Seeger right. did and so those actually yeah. were some of the songs that we did and it was just fun to go into that world and, right. and discover some of those old songs that seemed to pass on through generations.
0: Well that connects to another project of yours which is the story of Elizabeth Cotton it was ended up being a book.
3: Yeah. You, yeah Elizabeth Cotton was discovered by the Seeger family she happened to be their uh, help on Saturdays and one day she started playing their guitars because they had the guitars all over the house, and they are like, Wait, what? <laughs> She's <Yeah>. a genius. <laughs> and, right. and she is this elderly woman who played beautiful fingerstyle guitar and wrote amazing songs. Having her musical flowering in her 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, in case any of you feel like you've already yeah. done your greatest work.
0: Yeah, there's time. Livica got too a late. Grammy
3: when she was 90. Yeah. <laughs> so there's hope for us I all. Did a,
0: I did a workshop with her in the late 70s at the. Uh, Vancouver Folk Festival. She was just elegant and great and a really good guitar player, upside down, backwards. And uh, she wrote Freight Train, among other songs. Um, So what kind of stories do you think younger generations will glean from learning about people like Libba Cotton?
3: I would hope they would think I can learn an instrument any way I want to learn it, and she picked up the guitar backwards, upside down, because she didn't know any better and became like a virtuosic fingerstyle player. So that idea of you can do something your own way is important with her story. And also, you can have a flowering late in life.
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit more about your new record, and then we got to get back to songs. But I like the one, The Best Kept Secret.
3: That song's about a friend of mine named Tim Young he's an old friend who i've always called in times of struggle and he gives me advice about things yeah. he's a wonderful musician and a great singer and guitar player and you know not famous Plays with great people, yeah. sideman you know? Right. But, but unsung hero.
0: But it's funny. I thought it would be sort of live on like that sort of uh, Carly Simon's You're So Vain, You Probably Think This Song Is About mm-hmm. You kind of thing where everyone would say, well, who do you think it's written about? Because <laughs> the person is so nice in the yeah. song. They're yeah, such yeah. a hero. They're, yeah. they're a good friend. They're a good player. They can sing. They can do everything. <laughs>
4: yeah.
0: And then there's... Uh, um, There's your song about uh, when it grows darkest. Mm -hmm. You know, the idea is that when it grows darkest, that's when the stars come out.
3: And you rise above the adversity that's pushing you down. And that's what we need to do right now. And we are doing it, but I feel like we really need to keep doing it. Mm -hmm. And I think, especially as a mother, I can't dwell in hopelessness. Sometimes I feel tempted to do that because I feel like, oh, that's maybe more realistic. But um, that's just not my, my... Calling. Yeah, My not, calling is to be bringing light and brightness to the world if I can.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I think about being a kid in the, in the 50s and, you know, the nuclear uh, bomb shelters and the things we went, we went under our desks in case of a nuclear bomb. That was mm-hmm. very practical. Training. <laughs>
3: that desk is really going to help you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> But it did infuse a certain amount of anxiety into the, into sure. society well, you know, I mean like,
3: honestly, my, my kindergartner has have lockdown drills in kindergarten because a bad guy's going to come maybe into the school oh, so no. i mean that 's reality yeah
0: that 's much closer to reality it in is. fact yeah it is sadly it is yeah well, listen, I like all this stuff, and I like as I was saying you know again i 'm going to cling for a little while to this concept, this loose concept that this is finding things that are broken and trying to fix them. That's sort of what this is about. So I, appreciate, I see that in your songwriting, and I appreciate it. Thank you. Let's get back to music. Welcome back, if you would, Laura Veers.
2: boardwalks fading red in the light of the waves and the comets waning till I don't think so no, no more looking back more looking, more back, looking more more back looking back faded epitaph no more looking back looking back looking back faded epitaph no more looking no, back looking back faded
0: The guy on vocals, Viola. The record's called The Lookout. They'll be back to play some more music later on in the show. Laura Viers from Portland, Oregon.
1: Your visit to E-Town is made possible in part by Silk, a pioneer of plant-based beverages that supports the environment as a charter sponsor of Change the Course, a freshwater conservation and restoration program created by Bonneville Environmental Foundation and National Geographic. You can learn more about Silk's environmental commitments and plant-based nutrition at silk.com. And by our diverse family of NPR affiliates and community stations, plus college and commercial stations, as well as our international stations and podcast subscribers worldwide. Thank you for your continued support. You're listening to E-Town.
0: the mandola-viola duet that has never happened before. I'm Nick Forster, you're listening to e Laura Veers will be back later in the show. And coming up, Aaron Lee Tastian is here to play some songs from his latest record. Before we get back to music, we're going to do something we do every week, um, or almost every week. We get to hear from people who are listening to e around the country, and they send us stories of folks who have inspired them enough to write to us and share those stories. And then we, in turn, get to pass those stories on to you and celebrate folks who are literally just looking around and finding a way to make things better where they are. And often these stories start very small and they grow. And uh, we take great inspiration from them, so we like to share them with you. We recognize these folks with something called the Achievement Award, as you well know. And here comes Helen to tell you about this week's winner.
1: Thank you, Nick. This is a very cool story that listener nominator Wayne Seltzer sent us. Our winner this week is Peter Mui of Berkeley, California. Peter is an MIT-trained engineer who likes to fix things rather than seeing them thrown away. To quote him from a recent conversation that he and I had, recycling is not good enough for the planet. We need to reuse. When he'd go to yard sales and such, Peter would see plenty of items on sale that people thought were broken, but really just required easy fixes. Like the tape recorder that seemed useless, but simply had the pause button on. (laughs) Or remote controls that just needed some internal cleaning to work again, good as new. He's especially interested in shifting the throwaway mentality that's so common these days. So he founded something called Fix It Clinic, where you can bring an item that needs fixing but you learn how to fix it yourself. Peter's here to tell us more, so please join me in welcoming this week's Achievement Award winner, Peter Mui.
0: Hi, Peter. Thanks for joining us. Nick, it's a pleasure. Thank you. It's such a great idea. And obviously, Helen mentioned you're MIT-trained engineer, so figuring out how things work must be sort of baked deep into your soul.
4: Mm. Mm-hmm. Maybe <laughs> I, I, I try to downplay that because we're really trying to extend these skills to everybody to yeah. show everybody that it's possible yeah. to fix them.
0: Right. You don't need a, a degree in engineering to make this work. Right. Correct. So you've set up these clinics that that um, help people both learn skills and also repair things. How do f- people find out when and where a clinic is happening? So they go to our
4: website. But I typically ask the venue to promote it. We typically use public libraries as the place to do that because public libraries are the places where people naturally go for information yeah. intelligence. Yeah. To the, you know that sort of stuff.
0: And do libraries need to have uh, additional facilities built in there to make that happen? Not at this point. We bring all
4: the tools with us, but yeah. over time, we hope that they'll start to do that more and more.
0: I have started to see a little bit of maker spaces showing up in public libraries, which is kind of cool. How many clinics have you done so far? I think this weekend will be 317. And so you're expanding, obviously, beyond the Bay Area.
4: Oh, absolutely. We have them all over the country.
0: And so uh, if I were to stop in and bring a toaster that wasn't working, what would happen if I, if I showed up with that?
4: Well, could I ask the, for a little audience participation in this? Sure. So imagine that you're there working on your thing and Nick shows up with his toaster. We, we, it's kind of like an AA meeting for broken stuff. <laughs> so, so I'm going to introduce Nick and his toaster, and I want you to say, hi, Nick. Okay, so ready? Hey, everyone, say hi to Nick and his sunbeam toaster where it won't stay down. Hi, Nick. So you're part of the crowd. And in an ideal fix-it clinic, yeah. it's very participatory. The, the role of the participants and the fix-it coaches, the volunteers, blurs, and everyone's just helping everybody
0: yeah. fix everything. And uh, assuming that no one has any skills, um, how does that work? <laughs>
4: All we do, so all you have to do is give people permission, it's okay to open up their thing that's already broken. I mean, you know, really, you you have nothing to lose, the next step is the landfill. So you might as well maximize the learning you can get out of that item before you toss it. That's cool. The serendipitous, wonderful side effect is that most stuff goes home fixed.
0: Wow, that's so wild. How many people show up to an average clinic?
4: somewhere between 30 to we've had as many as 140 people show up
0: wild and so you have to bring tools and that includes the standard variety of screwdrivers and pliers and allen wrenches and soldering irons and correct yeah, yeah
4: we're having a 70% repair rate with absolutely no net. I mean, the manufacturers don't give us access to service manuals or repair parts or schematics or anything. We're just sort of opening it up and applying critical thinking skills to try and figure out why it's broken.
0: It's also just, you're basically allowing all the people who are participating in the clinics to completely shift their understanding of how they deal with stuff.
4: You hope so. I mean, I'm going for this whole change in the consumer mindset around their consumption. Yeah. And this idea that things that they thought were throwaway are actually quite repairable and they can keep them in service, keep them at their highest utility possible for as long as possible. Yeah.
0: What are some of the wackiest things that people have brought in?
4: Someone brought in a Geiger counter once for an electronic thing. And then someone brought in a parrot backpack. Wow. So, not for the parrot, for them to carry the parrot around on their back.
0: I see. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds kind of low-tech, actually.
4: It was pretty sophisticated. You you got a little little stand for the parrot and it, you know, pecks through the nylon. It's a
0: a tough repair. (laughs) So so, um, do you have a sense of how many people have participated so far?
4: Tens of thousands. And each person brings typically more than one item, so I would say, you know, low tens of thousands of people at this point mid to high tens of thousands of items.
0: And 70% of those things are no longer going to the landfill and they've been put back in service. And the people who own these things now have a sense of, of what it takes to keep it in service. And
4: right, if it breaks again, they know how to repair it. Yeah. Look, there used to be professional repair. That's gone by the wayside. Maybe as a side effect of this for, even for the people who don't feel comfortable, who are a little bit nervous about opening something up, that they would feel comfortable, at least understanding there's, there might be a new class of professional repair people that shows up at some point. Right. Long term, we should really look to hold the manufacturer's feet to the fire to make things more durable, maintainable, serviceable, repairable from the get-go so that we don't end up with these items that end up with people not sure what to do with them. Mm -hmm.
0: But the bottom line is that as consumers, we don't anticipate long life for a lot of things. I mean, if you think about major appliances that... Maybe you're going to get five years out of a dishwasher or something like that. That just seems like we've lowered our expectations.
4: Right. It didn't always used to have to be that way. There was some blog post that talked about they used to last 50 years. And it was about white goods and how long they lasted. And I think that we as consumers have to take back our power as consumers and vote with our dollars and say we're refusing to buy the junk anymore. Or we're going to just show you we can keep it in service. You try to sell
0: us this stuff, we can keep it going. Yeah, so interesting. Well, you, these are lofty goals, and obviously, I like the whole premise, which is you know, changing the way we think about our relationship with stuff that we buy and also change the way we think about um, the dump. I would love to put dumps out of business. You know, technology is always going to, to, to
4: be there as part of our lives. It's just how do we utilize it effectively and keep it in alignment with our other values? Yeah.
0: Well listen, I love this conversation and I really wish you the best of luck. And actually I don't need to because you've already had such success. Tens of thousands of people gone through your clinics, upper tens of thousands of items that have been salvaged and no longer, they've taken the detour to the dump and they're now back in service. And more than anything else, just shifting people's consciousness about the lifetime utility that we can expect from the things that we purchase. I think that's a fundamental change that you're really working well on. So congratulations, Peter, for that. Thank you very much. So once again, congratulations to this week's award winner, Mr. Peter Mui, founder of the Fix-It Clinic from San Francisco. Clinics pop up all the time, so check it out.
1: Thanks to our listener nominator, Wayne Seltzer, for this great story. For more information on Fix-It Clinic, including how to find a pop-up event near you or even how to start a clinic yourself in your community, you can visit fixitclinic.org. That's their website. Or you can go to our website uh, to get that information. If you happen to be driving on the freeway in L.A. or you're fixing dinner for your family down in Florida and you don't have time, To catch this, you can go to our website too, etown.org, where you can also nominate someone for the award too. And we'd love to hear what you think of this segment or of the show in general. So if you have a moment, you can always take a short survey on our website to help us keep the show at its very best. Beyond that, we're on Facebook and Twitter if you want to reach us, or you can always write to us the old fashioned way at Box 954, Boulder, Colorado 80306.
0: Thank you, Helen. Thanks to Peter. I think that was a cool story. I like to think about myself as a kind of a handy uh, fix it person, but I have a pile of things that still aren't working. So we got more music coming up from Laura Veers in a little while. Right now, I'm going to tell you about our next guest. Aaron Lee Taschen grew up in Ohio and California, and then back in Ohio. Moved to New York City as a young man. Um, All the while, he was listening to music. You know, the kind of music that inspired him, especially when he was young, with things like The Beatles and Tom Petty and then Oasis. But he was also uh, playing music and making music, writing songs. In New York, he either formed or joined a bunch of different bands, including the Semi-Precious Weapons and uh, one of my favorite band names, the Madison Square Gardeners, (laughs) and uh, even a later incarnation of uh, the band called the New York Dolls. He was in that band for a while. He then moved to Nashville, where he's been for about four years, and he's just released his latest record on New West. It's called Karma for Cheap. Uh, kind of a jangly, quasi-psychedelic rock record. And and it really does kind of bring a lot of the feelings from other records that we've heard, but it's totally his own. He's here in a more sparse setting today, so some of that jangly production, you're gonna have to wait till you hear the record. But it's kind of cool. The songs stand up and so does he. So please welcome to E-Town for his first visit, Aaron Lee Taschen.
5: It's all in your head there's no race to be won the world that you're in is a beautiful one with the sun in your eyes through the golden haze yeah you're doing all right in so many ways But the truth is so hard The truth is so hard The truth is so hard To believe And when you see yourself As somebody else It's more than the mind can conceive But the truth so hard truth is so hard truth is so hard hard to believe all these troubles you bear how you put on your shoulders cross the river again cause nothing is over when it rains in the heart you must weather the storm for the shadows will come in every form but the truth is so hard truth Truth is so hard truth is so hard somebody else it's more than the mind can conceive but the truth is so hard somebody heals It's more than the mind can conceive. But the truth is so hard. Truth is so hard. Truth is so
6: These songs are all from the Karma for Cheap record. This one, Songbird, was probably the first song that I wrote for the Karma for Cheap album. It's kind of about just trying to keep your head on straight, you know? I think we could all use a little encouragement to do that every now and again.
5: one more day till i'm taking a walk one more night where i can't even talk there's one more night on these dirty sheets all wrapped up in a laddies one more thought that i can't escape one more singer they love to hate one more ghost in the doorway waits to Haunt my dreams and seal my fate. There's a songbird singing. I'm laying on the floor. I'm on the floor. Something feels right that has never felt right before. Christmas bells are ringing here comes the girl next door something feels right that has never felt right before one more dream i will put to rest you can't hold everything to your chest your mind will wander your heart will ache Your back will break and your hands will shake Cause one more guy will say something strange Your ride to the high road is out of range Don't let the thing that kills you inside Throw your worst into overdrive There's a songbird singing I'm laying on the floor I'm laying on Something feels right that has never felt right before. Christmas bells are ringing. Here comes the girl next. Here comes the girl next. Something feels right that has never felt right before. has been smiles in anyone's shoes you can walk for miles Then one day a strap on your own and find you have to walk alone There's a songbird singing I'm laying on the floor, I'm on the floor. Something feels right that has never felt right before Christmas bells are ringing, here comes the girl next door, something feels right that has never felt right before, something feels right that has never felt right before.
0: Aaron Lee Tastian, welcome to E-Town. I have to say, I was listening to those songs like uh, Truth Is So Hard, and chord changes are so cool. And they are slightly nostalgic somehow to me. So is that a Britpop thing that you studied and kind of got inside of and figured out how that works? I think harmony
6: in music I learned mostly from uh, jazz music. Mm -hmm. I played in a lot of big bands as a young man. and so my guitar hero was a guy who never played a solo ever. A guy Wes named, Montgomery or something? A guy, a guy named Freddie Green. Oh, Freddie Green, yeah. From the Count Basie yeah. big band. And yeah. uh, he played block chords. Right. And the rhythm of what he did um, added a lot to the band, too. It kind of, the guitar almost functioned like the hi-hat would on a drum set. You know, it kind of played off the two and four thing, you know, and in jazz, everything's on the up, it's a duple feel. So I got a lot of both rhythmic and harmony things yeah. from learning that music.
0: But the chord voicings and particularly the chord changes are not out of the Count Basie songbook. No. Um, so I was thinking more sort of like uh, Beatles kind of chord voicings, especially on that one, on Truth Is So Hard. But, you know, again, we tend to sort of tap into the things we're familiar with and what we remember. Right. You mentioned you were in a lot of big bands. Wasn't there something like you're 16 and you're playing at Carnegie Hall with something? What was that? Oh, yeah.
6: Uh, That was the Essentially Ellington competition, which is something that... um, Lincoln Center Jazz uh, does, and it's a competition for high school music students who are learning to play jazz music. Um, They have uh, band categories and instrumentalist categories, and I went there with the Columbus Youth Jazz Orchestra, and we played a bunch of Duke Ellington compositions. I was the only kid there who didn't play a solo. I had an arch top, and I didn't plug into an amp. They mic'd my guitar because I wanted to really sound like... Freddie Green, so I, uh, ironically, I did the least and I won the award. <laughs> that was a wow. great lesson for life. Don't yeah. try too hard. Yeah. You know?
0: <laughs> did you have a sparkly sweater? I, what I did,
6: I, I was chewing gum the whole time oh, and wow. the arts council from the city of Columbus had come to watch us perform and they were just horrified that I was on stage at Lincoln Center chewing gum. But for me, that was part of like locking in with the band, you know, I kind of chew. I was like a little cow in the band. I would just kind (laughs) of chew along with the- Your jaw's going in time. With the rhythm section, yeah. Yeah, yeah, That was kind of how I got into it. So
0: (laughs) so wild. Wow, so that's a a real legit path that a lot of uh, contemporary popular musicians just never really visited, you know, to be that deep into a songbook and really studying and be hip to somebody like Freddie Green. Um, let's talk a little bit about this concept of Karma for Cheap, the title of your new record. It's a good idea, right? Just to commoditize karma, it seems so appropriate. I, You know,
6: it seemed like the right time for it. Right.
0: <laughs> We've all been kind of counting on karma yeah. to eventually be the great balancing act that we expected. Right, right the ship,
6: yeah. yeah. I think it's an interesting time for everybody. I mean, aside from obviously you know, politically on both sides of the aisle seems like there's a lot going on. But I think more than ever as a culture and as a society, we're kind of looking at all of these, you know, traditions and values and things that we've kept in, in as a part of our life and our country for so long. And we're kind of really looking at those now and going like, is this really right, you know, and is this really something that you can put a price on, you know? And so there's a lot of those kind of questions being asked. And I think a a great rock and roll record doesn't answer those questions for you, but it maybe helps you deal with the peril and the turmoil of Mm -hmm. of asking those questions to begin with.
0: Yeah. And as heavy as it might be to sort of think about the songs that are about this sort of weird post-truth era or whatever we find ourselves in, um, the record's pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, Well, (laughs) that was the
6: idea, I think, you know, was to kind of try and... Address something that's potentially kind of heavy in a more kind of cognitive, a lot less emotional, a less visceral
0: yeah. way. You know, I think that there are not a lot of people who can walk that fine line between being serious, being musical, being creative, being original, and and having fun. I, th- I think of Chuck Prophet and maybe a few oh, others, but you I know, there's Chuck. Yeah, there's not many. So, anyway, I really enjoyed the record. Really glad you're here. Oh, thank. Let's you. get back to music. Yeah, thanks yeah. so much for having. Welcome us. back, if you would, Aaron Lee Taschen.
6: Thank you guys very much for listening to us And thank you to everybody here at E-Town for having us on
5: Woe is me for my heart is on fire It burns like a fire and there's nothing I can do Change me to the radiator I'll show you how it feels When there's evil on your heels Crawling at your feet With the hustlers and thieves Come to cut you at the knees And there's something in the sheets And it's crawling at your feet Every night I feel the evil urges Devil's got my number and the phone won't stop I hear the lights when I see my troubles sliver. Don't want them hanging round Better not look down They're at my feet With the hustlers and thieves Come to cut you at the knees there's something in the sheets And it's crawling at your feet Sometimes you swing and it's a little out of tune. Hey, you dripped up in the space when you shoot for the moon. Don't have to be the one, don't have to be the best. But you better watch your step when you're out the mouth. To cut you at the knees, and it's something in the sheets, and it's
0: Tommy Cypress on guitar, vocals. The record's called Karma for Cheap Out on New West Records. They're from Nashville, Tennessee. They'll be back at the end of the show for the big finale. Aaron Leetastien. This
1: portion of E-Town is made possible by the Bohemian Foundation, building stronger communities through the bohemian qualities of creativity and imagination. On the web at bohemianfoundation.org. By the way, if you missed some of this week's show just now, The E Town Podcast will have this episode and others, along with tons of content from the E Town Archives. It's available for free in iTunes, Google Play, and other podcast directories. You're listening to E Town.
0: I'm Nick Forster. I want to say hello to our listeners who hear E-Town on stations like WCSQ, 105.9 FM radio in Cobleskill, New York, on KUWR Wyoming Public Radio, throughout the state of Wyoming. Thanks for listening. And on WVTF, Virginia's public radio in Roanoke, Virginia. Thanks for tuning in. As always, if you want more information about any of our guests, if you want to see exactly how sparkly uh, Aaron Lee Taschen's sweater really is. All that and much more is online at etown.org. You can also find out how to get tickets to shows and uh, learn more about how to download the smartphone app and all that other stuff. Okay, so I have no idea if the alleged theme is still continuing through about you know repairing stuff and finding stuff and making it better, but uh, I must say that uh, it's pretty cool to just connect with these artists who are traveling around all the time and finding ways to bring back these little stories and samples of their lives through these songs and... I have to say yesterday I was traveling in an airport and I took like maybe 30 minutes to not read, not look at my phone, not look online, not do anything else because my flight was delayed, just to see all the other people who were doing all those things and mostly just looking at screens and, and not um, noticing. So I'm happy that sometimes it takes artists to pay attention and, and bring back these little tidbits. Anyway, glad that they were here this week. Uh, we have more music for you right now. Would you please welcome back Laura Veers.
3: I'm going to play a couple with the band here. I don't think Helen's joining us for this one, but she will be out for the next one. Um, This song's called Seven Falls, about Seven Falls. You guys been to Seven Falls? It's a local monument. You should go check it out.
0: Laura Veers, along with Alex Guy on the vocals and the viola, keyboards, Lee tones Chris Engelman, Ron Jolly, Christian Teal, and Helen Forster. The record's called The Lookout. We've got time for one more song. I want to get everybody out on stage. We found a good one for you. This is always a mystery in terms of what song we're going to do, and these artists came together, these two, and figured something out this afternoon, and we just figured it out. I want to thank all our guests. Thanks to Laura Veers, for coming out from Portland, along with Alex Guy on the viola. Thanks to Aaron Lee Tasjan coming out with with Tommy, who's normally the bass player, but he's been doing a great job playing guitar this week. Thanks to our award winner, Peter Muey, repairing broken items and starting those fix-it clinics around the country and diverting um, tens of thousands of items from the landfill while inspiring people to learn how to fix stuff. Thanks to Helen, etones all of you for being here we've got this last song that uh written by a woman it's about love it's about passion and uh, and it seemed appropriate i'm nick forster hope you can be with us next week right here anytime
5: is a burning thing, and it makes a fiery ring. Bound by wild desire, I fell into a ring of fire.
2: Love.
1: Recorded at E Town Hall and produced by our donor supported nonprofit organization. To comment about the show, send us an email at info at etown.org or reach us on Twitter or Facebook. Distribution of ETown is made possible by our family of sponsors, this station and listeners like you.
0: Song. Big hit. Thanks, everybody. Aaron Lee Taschen, Laura Veers, Alex, Tommy, the house band, Helen, engineers, and volunteers. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much.
1: This is a production of E Town.
0: That's Laura Veers, along with Aaron Lee Taschen and Peter Muey, the founder of the Fix It Clinics making sure that we use things as much as we possibly can before we throw them away. I'm Nick Forster. Thanks so much for listening.